You're listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast, where our focus is helping people to connect to God, change, and thrive in life. How are we doing, church? We're good? Smiles? Happy? A little bit? Okay. Well, guys, I am very, very excited. Um, I get to preach today, as you can tell. That's why I'm standing up here. It's a good reason. Um, before I get into the sermon, uh, I just want to do a special shout out. I have a mom that came here today from San Diego, somewhere in the corner. Also, a wonderful mother-in-law. Where's Marie? Is Marie over there somewhere? Yes, there she is. And my beautiful family and some friends as well. So, um, My wife and I, we're in the middle of baby fog. We've just had our third child, a uh, beautiful baby boy. We have a four-year-old, two-year-old, and now a seven-week-old. So we haven't slept in about, I don't know, about seven weeks. But, but in any case, uh, definitely excited to share with you this topic today. Um, I'm not a college student. Some of you are looking at me. I thought this was a campus-run service. I did graduate about 12 years ago. Um, but we do actually serve as campus shepherds, uh, along with the, with the Eads, Joe and Sarah. So it's, it's our privilege to help out with the college students. I absolutely love it. Um, the topic today is very near and dear, dear to my heart. It's entitled The Fruit of the Spirit. Uh, fruit of the Spirit, if you look at the screens, it says uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, these are all things I think when you look at, um, you might desire just, just a little bit, yes? Yeah. Kind of want those things in your life. Um, and there's some things we'll talk about that go into that. But opening question, just to get your minds thinking on this topic. Um, something that you tried, you really tried extremely hard, but were unable to achieve. You didn't see the results that you, that you wanted. Think about that for yourself. For me, um, this is very poignant because I remember being a 16-year-old, 17-year-old, 18-year-old kid having serious thoughts about God, wanting to genuinely live it out, but having no clue what to do. I, I, I thought I needed to pray, so I kind of prayed. I thought I needed to read the Bible, so I read the Bible maybe like three days a week. But I found something out repeatedly over and over again, that there was a cycle of sin. There was character issues. I was vices that kind of basically held like a death-like grip on my life that I couldn't overcome. I couldn't stop drinking or I couldn't stop being immoral. I couldn't stop, couldn't stop cussing. I was kind of like a wild, semi-wild high school student that got good grades and played sports. But in terms of my desire to want to please God, I couldn't do it, no matter how hard I tried. When you look at this, this opening um, slide, it says the fruit of the Spirit. At the bottom, it says, against such things, there is no law. Now, if you were an Israelite and you've, you know, go backwards a couple thousand years, you had 400 some odd commands from the Old Testament, from the Torah, to which you had to adhere. And so trying to live out these hundreds of commands, you find out something very quickly, right? You find out that you can't do it. No matter how hard you try, there's going to be the standard of what God says, and here's your best effort. What God does, and what I love, through the Holy Spirit, through the fruit of the Spirit, there's no law for it. It's not simply about just adhering to commands and trying to do a bunch of things and make the right moral decision. You are literally an overflow of God through the love the joy, the peace, the patience, kindness, so on and so forth. Where am I, where am I clicking? Where did I click? Click, 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 click. Come on. 
Strike one. Strike two. Three times around. Okay. It's, it's on. Yeah, it's, it's definitely on. Okay, we'll have someone manually do the slides then. I'm going to put this away. Good talk. So next slide. There it is. We have a goal today. A goal simple, that you gain a deeper understanding of the fruit of the Spirit and how to better manifest the Spirit's fruit in your life. So there's a lot of scriptures about the fruit of the Spirit, about the Holy Spirit in general. I want to make this as practical as possible for you trying to live out a godly life. Amen? Let's go next slide. John 15. If you have your Bible, your phone, whatever you're using nowadays, feel free to turn there. John 15 in uh, verse 1. There's a great analogy that Jesus uses, I think, for, you know, especially in agrarian society. So you have people that they live off the land. And you look at a lot of his parables, a lot of his stories, you'll see time and time again um, analogies based on kind of farming and, and, and agriculture. In John 15, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. We'll continue on. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. So great, great analogy. I think you've maybe read it once, twice, maybe thrice. Um, the point, the point is, in terms of bearing fruit, if we want the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, if we want the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, if we desire these God-like qualities, there has to be a connection from the branch to the vine. We have to be locked. And now you're like, okay, that's a basic premise. That's not revelatory in nature. But the challenge is, can we do it? Are we willing to put forth the effort to draw that close to God on a consistent basis so that we can see the fruit of the Spirit manifested in our lives. This is the challenge that every single person in this room faces, myself included. How close do I want to be to the vine? And the fruit, obviously you want the fruit, but do we want, do we want to make the effort? I, this, uh, actually this morning and yesterday, I was getting ready to go to a, a client. I do basketball training on the side. Shameless plug. I know. Um, I'm on the way there. You can laugh. It's okay. Uh, anyways, um, on the way there, I'm getting ready to start my car. And sure enough, it doesn't start. I'm like, God, why now? I'm in a hurry and my car doesn't work. You know, first, my first thought to blame God. Not that I probably overuse the battery, uh, charging my phone, watching Netflix or whatever. You know what I mean? 
Um, but I'm thinking, man, there's no juice in this car. I'm not going anywhere. And I think at times, and, and I think for us, this is a, a, a beautiful analogy, uh, a metaphor to our spiritual lives. We want to do the things of God, but our battery is dead. So we rely on ourselves and we try to manifest the Spirit's fruit based off our own intellect, based off our, our stick to We kind of, you know, hey, I'll use my own metal, I'll use my own will and figure it out. Uh, we can, you know, I rationalize my way into faith if I just follow set principles and then I will see said results, forgetting that there's a real connection between us and God in order to manifest that fruit. Does that make sense? See you next slide. Important point. The fruit of the Spirit is a direct result of genuinely walking with God. I put in, in a parentheses, you can't fake the funk. You can't fake the funk. There is a, there's a rap song in the 90s that said there's no future in the front. Anybody remember that one? There's no future. Am I the only one? Okay, there's about 10. Some other people are like, what the heck just happened? I have no idea what he's talking about. Um, you can go to church, right? Some people are quoting some of the lyrics. Uh, you can go to church. You can do the right things. You can read your Bible. You can pray. There's something supernatural. There's something mysterious. There's something truly unique when someone connects themselves to God. When you do that, you change in such a way. Everywhere you look, everything is slowly degrading. The, the earth is slowly falling apart. There's this natural state of degradation and entropy that occurs everywhere you look. But as a man or a woman of God, you're able to transcend all that. Where everything falls apart, our bodies included. You know, I, I used to have a jawline. That's gone. I'm trying to get it back. Um, we ascend. Everything is degrading. We ascend and become more like Christ. This is the true difference when you talk about what it means to be a disciple. This, this transcends going to... There's millions of people going to church right now, right? And everyone's singing the songs. Everyone's talking about how great God is or they're having some type of spiritual quote-unquote conversation. But where the rubber hits the road is do we generally walk with God enough so that we can see the fruit of the Spirit manifested in our lives? This is the difference. Can we go next slide? So some of you might remember this. Um, the top picture, if you've... Probably at least in your 30s. At least in your 30s, you know this one? Um, it is the Fred Flintstone vehicle. Um, you might have seen this maybe six years ago. Someone decided in, uh, in the U.K. that they were going to make Fred Flintstone's vehicle. Now, granted, you can't put your feet at the bottom and go like this down the 405 freeway. They did put a manual. You know, there's, there's, there's an engine in there. Um, we have two options when I think about this spiritually. Now, if you were to consider this, like if I was to say, I'm going to go to drive to work in Fred Flintstone's vehicle with no engine, and I'm just going to kind of pedal my way down the 405, it might take I don't know how long, and there's cars that are whizzing by me. seems pretty dangerous. But the thought is quite ridiculous. You look at the Range Rover, you're like, that's a nice SUV. I'd much rather go down, for my case, go to work about 17 miles, and take the second vehicle at the bottom. Basic analogy. But the truth is, more often than not, I think we like Fred Flintstone's vehicle. I think we like using the footmobile. And then what happens when you use the footmobile in Christianity? What do you think you get? You can get tired, right? You can get discouraged. You can get despondent. You can get frustrated. You can get bitter. Anything you can think of that has a negative thought towards, it becomes basically a burden. 
Righteousness becomes a burden. It becomes this thing I have to do. I have to go to church. I have to read my Bible. I have to share my faith. It's, this, it's like a weight that you carry around with you. God's saying, I don't want you to have a weight. I want you to have basically the most luxurious vessel by which you can operate in your Christian life. God's saying, take the range. He's saying, he's saying take the range. But we like taking the footmobile. Now, this is our goal, to get in touch with the Spirit. How do we do that? Next slide. There's a couple things about developing the fruit of the Spirit. There's principles to it, and there's also practice as well. Some of you have seen some of these scriptures you probably read um, if you've been around the Bible a little bit. But in principle, it says we must walk in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, and live in the Spirit. And so we'll, we'll discuss some of those things. But walk in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, live in the Spirit. Basic summation the Holy Spirit is going to be a motivating and leading, directing force in our lives. In practice, what does that mean in practice? So I understand the principle. In practice, we have to be born again. We have to meditate on the Word. We have to pray for the Spirit's help. And we have to sing to God. Yes, you have to sing to God. How about that? Anybody can sing here like me, which is terrible? Anyone? Pretty rough voice. Yes, I will not be on any... TV show anytime soon, but there's something that happens, I think, when you're connected to God. Whether you're a singer or not, you want to praise him. You really want to praise him. I, I was actually backstage singing, and I didn't even know why. And I was like, wait a minute, Holy Spirit moment, because you, you feel that connection to God. Be born again. We'll go back to the top real quick. Be born again. Uh, scripturally, it's, it's a big debate, honestly. If you're the first time visiting, you're like, ah, oh, you've got to be born again. There's so many different denominational teachings about what that means. When you look through scriptures, bottom line, there's something about hearing the message. There's something about believing the message. There's something about repenting. There's something about saying that Jesus is Lord. And there's a culmination that results in baptism. And so if you want to discuss that afterwards, please feel free. I would love to talk with you about that. But we have to be born again. Okay, we know that. So let's continue on. Next slide. There's challenges. There's challenges to trying to be led by the Holy Spirit. We want this fruit of the Spirit. We, we want to be close to God. But there's issues that we encounter in this process. Um, I call them fruit spoilers, if you will. Yeah, nice little pun. First one, poor spiritual diet. We have to ask ourselves, what are we eating? My wife and I recently became a vegan. Um, so I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm not going to make a plug for it right now. Um, but I, I know that my diet was pretty rough. It involved a lot of jack-in-the-box and McDonald's, and Wendy's, and basically anything that you can get in about seven minutes for four bucks. That's kind of how I operated. Um, Jesus said something very poignant in John 4:34. He says, "My food is to the to do the will of Him who sent me, and to finish His work." So there was something about Jesus where he got constantly fed on God's will, so he didn't have time to eat. Uh, the pleasures of the world. We have to ask ourselves this morning, uh, what does your spiritual diet consist? What are you eating right now? Are you eating spiritual filet mignon? Are you immersing yourself in the word? Are you having wonderful times with God in the fellowship? Or are you kind of on the outskirts of between faith and whatever you see outside these doors? Where are you at right now? Do you feel full? Because here's the truth. The truth is we all have a, a vacuum in our spiritual stomachs. 
that it, it takes in something. So if we are not actively pursuing the fruit of the Spirit or trying to be led by the Spirit, by default, we're going to eat something else because we're all going to get fed. The question is, quite frankly, what are we eating? Two masters, Matthew six twenty four. This is in reference to um, Jesus talking about you can't serve both God and money. And the reality is, maybe money is not your issue. Maybe you don't struggle with, you know, I don't care if I have five bucks or five million. I'm the same person inside and out. But it's not necessarily about money. It can be about an idol that you have or that's creeping up in your life right now. And the first knee-jerk reaction might be, oh, I don't have anything. I'm fine. I love Jesus. Jesus is Lord, and everything's great, and roses, and you know, rainbows, and I'm going to walk outside, and everything's perfect. The question is not so much whether we do. The question is, have you identified what it is? Do you know what Satan's trying to use against you? Because it's not, it's, this isn't checkers, it's chess. It's a spiritual battle. We have a very powerful enemy. He'll grab whatever he can get at. He'll find your weak point, and then he works it, and he works it. What is it for you? What is that one thing that Satan keeps on trying to resurrect that you buried a long time ago? There's always something. Self-righteousness, self-righteousness. Anybody here struggle with self-righteousness? Yay, nay. I do. A little bit. A lot of it. Um, Self-righteous people in the church generally are those that do a lot. Generally speaking. If you do a lot in church, you you tend to be self-righteous because you focus on a lot that you do and the way you're helping others and you look at other people and you say, oh, they're not doing it. And no one explicitly states it, but it's in there. You're like, oh, I'm better than you, spiritually speaking. I'm a better disciple than you and I know it. Were you going to say it? No, you're not going to say it. But it's a fleeting thought in your heart. The Pharisees, in this scripture, Matthew 5, uh, Jesus says, unless your righteousness passes out of the Pharisees, which were the religious leaders of the day, um, he said you'll basically have no part of the kingdom of God. There's, there's a challenge for us as disciples to rely and focus more on God than we do ourselves. When you become self-righteous, it's because somewhere along the lines, you started doing a bunch of things or, or you know, whatever occurred, and you looked at yourself, and you looked at others, and you saw the disparity, and you thought you had arrived. The Pharisees looked at everybody, and they said, well, you know, I make lengthy prayers, I have a phylactery of scriptures on my head and my shoulders. I give a tenth of my mint and cumin. I do all these things sacrificially uh, for, for our people. What do you do? That was their mindset. So as a result, that self-righteousness prevented them. And, and you can see Jesus' frustration with this a lot of times in scriptures. He wanted them to get it repeatedly, repeatedly. But the exterior was more important than the interior. And it kind of touches the next point, which is approval of man. Galatians 1.10. Uh, Paul makes this interesting. He's talking about false doctrine and false teachers. And he mentions this at the very end of it. And he, and he says that, uh, am I trying to win the approval of man from, or God? What, what am I going for in my day-to-day life? The approval of man will kill your faith. And the question is, is how much of a people pleaser are you? Because to a certain degree, we kind of struggle with it. You know, we look around, you can see everyone looking at you, and like, oh, I did a great thing. See me? Did you see me? Again, no one says it, but we think it. We feel it. Whose approval are we trying to seek? Last one, number five. Character eroding excuses. I'm going to share about this one personally. Um, 
Luke 14, uh, verses 15 through 24, that's the story of the great banquet or the wedding banquet. Anybody know that story? A little bit? Um, the great banquet is God has this wonderful feast, wants everybody to come and enjoy, and one after another you start hearing excuses, right? One guy said what? What was one excuse? I got married, right? I just got married. I got to go honeymoon. See you later. What else? I just bought some wonderful livestock, and I have to go try them out. So I'm sorry I can't make it. What was the last one? Yeah, someone had a, a actually it was a funeral. That's, that's pretty intense. Um, but there's a lot of different, or maybe that was a different story, but close. Um, a lot of different things going on that we can make excuses. And if I would be honest for myself, um, character wrote excuses. I actually wrote this down. I asked my wife about this one. This is kind of humbling, people. It's kind of humbling. Um, and, and this is what she said. And I agree with her. It wasn't just what she said. Uh, she said that mine is, I can say that I'm working. And because I'm working hard and trying to bring, hold, bring home the proverbial bacon, you know, I'm going to work and doing my 9 to 5 or whatever it is, that helping around the house is not much of a priority as it should be. Ooh, that one kind of hurts, you know. Um, the question is, and I think for all of us, we have to consider what excuses do we make on a daily basis that erode our characters. Those are opportunities the Spirit desires us to sacrifice. The Spirit thrives when we reach out for God when it's difficult. And it's in those moments when we make excuses that are, they're, they're truly character-defining. It's integrity. You find out, okay, it's not when this is easy. It's when it's difficult. And when it's difficult, what do I do? Am I, does my excuse come out first? Or do I start fighting with it and then lean towards righteousness instead? And we'll go more into those type of questions later. But next slide. We want to talk about, okay, we've talked about fruit spoilers, right? But how do I know if the fruit of the Spirit is evident in my life? So what are some indicators that I can look at as a disciple of Jesus Christ and say, hey, you know what? The Spirit is working. It's moving. Number one, you naturally want to read, sing, and pray. So there's, some, there's a Psalm 119, Ephesians 5, and, and 6 as well. Um, we read the Bible, right? And there's times when I read the Bible and I, I look at the scriptures and I immediately think of somebody else. Have you ever done that? Like, this would be really great for this person. Man, they really need to change this. As a matter of fact, I'm going to share this with them once I finish this quiet time. From a spiritual, from a spirit-led standpoint, when you are close to God, when you feel the spirit moving, when you read the scriptures, they jump off the page first for yourself. They hit you first. The double-edged sword doesn't point out, it points in. Because you're thinking about how can I draw close to God from my own life. You're going to pray, and when you pray, and there's times, I don't know if you've ever prayed this, I, I, I could look around the room and be like, you know, guys, I just want to thank you for the lights in this room and the AC and the beautiful cinder block walls and, you know, kind of just like almost going through the motions in prayer. Anybody ever done that? Is that just me? Come on, guys. Come on, guys. Let's be honest. When you pray, think of scriptures. When you pray, get to the heart, get to the crux of the matter. Bible says the more the words, the less the meaning. And how does that profit anyone? There's a lot of fillers that we can use in, in prayer. 
But God's just saying, you know what? What is what's in your heart? What's what do you really want to pray about? Let's discuss that. Singing. I mentioned singing. You got to sing, people. I'm sorry. There's no way around it. It doesn't matter if you know if you don't like to sing, the scriptures don't care. I'm just I'm just going to put it out there. Why? Because the Holy Spirit sings. Can you imagine the choirs of angels that are in heaven right now singing to God? Just belting out 20, it says that in Revelations, 24 hours a day, they're singing. You have that same spirit inside of you right now, if you've been born again. So we're going to sing. It's just going to be a part of what we do. Number two, you respond like Christ instead of your old self. Let's turn to Acts, Acts 5, verse 40 and 42, or you can just look on the screen. Acts 5 is the start of the early church. A lot of crazy things going on. God's working in a lot of different ways. Um, persecution is coming pretty heavy. Pretty heavy from the religious leaders to Jesus' disciples. In Acts 5, verse 42, or 40, I should say, um, the disciples have been brought in because they're preaching this about Jesus. And they're basically saying that all the leaders uh, killed him, in so many words. And so they're not thrilled with the message, you know, suffice to say. What happens with them? Well, they get brought in, and they get flogged. So, you know, if you know anything about the crucifixion, that's pretty intense. You get whipped. You know, you might have got beaten. Um, not an easy thing to endure. Now, if you just got beaten mercilessly, what would your first response be? How would you feel? A little, little self-pity, a little bummed, right? Not exactly thrilled about your current state of affairs. Um, what does it say the apostles did in first uh, 40 41 they rejoiced let that sink in for a sec beaten horribly and you're ecstatic i'm all smiles how do you do that i get upset about traffic like you know what i mean i lose my mind oh man he cut me off and oh my god that was stupid and i'm mad and i'm angry the disciples were beaten mercilessly and they were thrilled about it. Does that seem like a Holy Spirit-led reaction to you? And this is a, I think this is a real defining moment for us as, as Christians because you face these little situations every single day, and the world is begging to see something different. The world is begging to see something more than just another religious person that goes to church. The world wants to see someone that doesn't react like everyone else, that handles situations seemingly with an otherworldly type of saint-like patience with, with a, a, an inherent trust in surrender that transcends whatever we're going through. I think we can look at this and, and minimalize how important it is in our lives and be like everybody else. It's natural to complain, right? People complain all the time. I complain way too much. Just ask my wife. She might tell you that. Um, we do. We complain a lot. But when you look at something like this, this is our spirit-led response. This is how we're supposed to handle all the challenges of life, not just simply get choked out by them. Next slide. You will ask humble questions and pray humble prayers. When we talk about being spirit-led, what's a humble question? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's look at the slide in point A. It says, in what ways would you like to see me grow? I asked my wife this again. I went back to the source. She's uh, very helpful in my Christian walk. And this is what she said. And I quote, two things. One, she wanted me to get more advice from mature men. So she's like, yeah, you're getting more advice. That's better. But you need to get more advice about your life from mature men. It's like, okay, that's 
kind of hits me, but, you know, it makes sense. Second one's kind of funny and serious. Um, it said, be more gentle with how I respond to my wife. And then this is her quote. Treat me like the black Caribbean queen that I am. <laughs> but if you want to put a scripture to that, love me like Christ loved the church. I was laughing. I enjoyed that one. You, you clap that one. That's fine. That's fine. I enjoyed that one, and I was convicted. I laughed a lot, and I was like, oh, I need to love you better. I'm sorry, baby. Um, when's the last time you've asked a question like this? To your spouse? To your roommate? Campus, would you like your roommate to ask you that question? Yes. Yes, maybe. Uh, uh, parents, would you like to, your teen to ask that question? Yes. Teen, would you like your parents to ask that question? Someone, yeah, you know, of course. Um, it's, it's very humbling. It's very revealing. When you want to be led by the Spirit, your life's an open book. You don't, you don't care about where you get feedback as much as you want feedback. You're, you're not concerned about how you feel and your, kind of your own personal self-esteem that you built up. You're trying to build yourself up in Christ. And so when you build yourself up in Christ, you want the truth more than anything else. It, it, it trumps your fear of, of being hurt. It trumps your concerns with vulnerability. It trumps your trust issues. It, it supersedes all of it because all you want is the truth of God in your life. So you ask questions like that. Psalm 139, 23, and 24. This is a, a classic. Um, I always reference this, this uh, prayer a lot because when I, when I read it and I think of someone that wants God's Holy Spirit to lead them, this is where it starts. Um, without prayers like this, you can't begin this journey because, again, some of us are various type A personalities and so we're going to try to control, and we're going to rely on our rationale naturally, and we're going, to try to, we're going to try to figure out what we need to work on instead of asking God what he wants us to work on. You know what I mean? And you see the difference? And they can look the same, but they're completely different hearts. One heart is, I want to be led by God. One heart is, I want to lead myself and let me figure it out because I like Fred Flintstone's vehicle, and we're not supposed to ride that one. Verse 23 says in Psalm 139, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I promise you, if you get nothing else from this lesson today, if you're like kind of looking there glazed over it and waiting for lunch, this passage is huge because this is where it starts. You give God the reins first, and then you can see how the Holy Spirit works in your life. If you have control issues, if you have trust issues, if you like figuring stuff out your own all the time, this is going to be a challenge for you. It is. But you have to let go of the reins and let God be God. Amen? Amen. Next slide. Is that the last one? Oh, okay. How about that? I think we're almost done. No, don't, don't clap yet. Don't clap yet. Don't clap yet. <laughs> There is, you know, I've got to kind of put a little bow on it, have a little conclusion. Um, I guess the ultimate when I think about the question is, which car do you want to ride in? Do you want to hop in Fred Flintstone's footmobile, or would you like to hop in the spiritual range? Easy question, right? It's contingent upon one thing. How close do you want to be to the vine? If you can answer that question on a daily basis... You'll see the fruit of the Spirit manifest in your life. Your spouse is going to be a lot happier with you 
They are. They get, your, your kids will look at you and be like, wow, there's something different about dad. Why is he smiling more? Hmm, I don't know what that is. Teens will treat their parents with more respect. Hmm, how about that? Campus students and households, we love each other deeply. Deeply? You'll see God work in ways that you want. But the question is, how close do you want to be to the vine? Thank you for listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast. For more information about our church, please visit greaterlongbeachchurch.com.